0: Are you interested in cracking the customer code?
1: You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business.
0: I'm Jeannie Walters.
1: And I'm Adam Taborik.
0: Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And
1: a few who don't.
0: And together, we'll crack the customer code. Welcome to episode 28 of Crack the Customer Code. Today, we're talking about the management
1: concept of holacracy.
0: And I am bringing a special face to face interview I conducted with Derek Hall at the CXPA Member Insight Exchange in May.
1: And we've got a customer zero story about fine print to share.
0: Today's show is brought to you by the Customer Experience Professionals Association. The CXPA is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to the advancement of customer experience management practices. To learn more or check out all the benefits of joining as an individual or as a corporate member, visit CXPA.org.
1: Okay, and if you would like to reach our listeners by being a show sponsor, you can go to crack the slash sponsor. That's crack the customer slash sponsor for full details. Now, Jeannie, have you heard about this management concept called holacracy?
0: I have a lot of a lot about it recently.
1: Yeah, it is all over the place. So of course Zappos is the Forefront is the poster child for Holacracy right now. They're making some big changes over there. So I thought it would be interesting to talk about it with one problem. What's that? I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to try our best. Uh huh. All right. So I was like reading Tony Shay's sort of concept about why they're doing it. And he basically compared, he says it's like making your company a city. Hmm. I mean, he says cities become more productive over time, but Fortune 500 companies become less productive and actually eventually die out. Hmm. So,
0: <laughs> what do you think how about do we make our,
1: How do we make our companies like a city?
0: What I've what I keep hearing about it is that instead of having managers and executives and hierarchy make make the decisions, they're basically asking them to be guides, and they're asking everybody to kind of self-regulate and make their own decisions as they go. But their manager can't, for instance, say yes or no on something. They can just go, yeah, that, all right, if you want to try that, it's up to you.
1: (laughs) Right. It's interesting. So there's this whole framework, I guess, you have to adapt for it. And the framework is very structured. So they're creating circles, and everybody has different roles within the circle, and you can be something in one circle and another thing and another circle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, one of the things I did, I did a search for holacracy and HR. And mm. I was so curious about, like, you know, I know coming from small business, I mean, HR just eats your time. I mean, all the rules, all the regulations, everything you have to do. And I didn't get any good answers. In fact, the articles on Zappos are like, well, it's very unclear how they're going to do hiring and firing. Mm-hmm.
2: It's
1: yeah. very unclear who's giving raises.
0: And they lost a lot of people over this decision. Uh, more than 200 employees said, this is not for me. And they walked out. And I think it's a really uh, interesting experiment because it has been tried before, but with very, very limited success and not with anything. Any organization of this size, as far as I can see, and so I think the way that Zappos is trying to innovate is very exciting, and they could, you know, they could get the last laugh on this. They could have a very successful outcome, but I think it is a little daunting because there are so many unknowns to it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, pioneers get the arrows. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right, they're they're taking it first and. Yeah, if you look at it from the standpoint of trying to do an organization that's flat and that's, you know, less hierarchical mm-hmm. and all that, I mean Zappos has the intrinsic culture in place to be the company that tries that. Yes. You no, know, and agree. they have such a great culture around that. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. I mean, if anybody's going to do it, they'll be able to do it.
0: Right. I I wonder how much this is connected to generational viewpoints, like can baby boomers do this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty. And then the other side of that is, you know, generation Y and Z and those who everybody says, oh, they all got medals and stuff. And they think all of their ideas are brilliant. All right. <laughs> um, what if they don't have a brilliant idea? And yet they all sit around and they go, well, we were told we could do whatever we want. And then, you know, how much <laughs> failure does it take to have an outcome where everybody says, OK, this is not working? I think there are so many questions and I think it's going to be really interesting to watch and it will be interesting to watch their customer experience around this because if they're really trying to do things that maybe they don't need a lot of approval for, how will that affect the customer experience in positive ways and will that have negative outcomes as well? I I honestly don't know, but I hope it's positive.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm very curious to see. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how it goes. I mean, I, I've always come from the standpoint of if, if it's nobody's responsibility, it doesn't mm-hmm. get done.
0: Yep. Or if it's everybody's, right? Right. Like- well, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> everybody's or everybody's or nobody's yes. is the same thing. Yes. Uh, so, you know, it will be interesting, but hopefully they'll have safeguards and, you know, it's going to be a mm-hmm. work in progress, but uh, interesting stuff in it the is. forefront of employee engagement and employee experience.
0: And we'll have to check in on this in a little Absolutely. bit to see how they're doing.
1: All right. Do we have a guest today?
0: Do we ever. (laughs) Well, this actually is a special interview that I conducted with uh, Derek Hall, who is the president and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, They are a baseball team, Adam. (laughs) Really? (laughs) They are a major league baseball team. And they're one of the younger franchises. And so what that means is that they did not have a built-in fan base there. They really had to work at getting people to show up to the ballpark, to support their team, to wear their logo, all sorts of things. And while I was at the CXPA uh, Insight Exchange in May, he was the opening keynote, and he did a fabulous job talking about how he really started focusing on the fan experience. And changing the culture to be more positive, more nimble. They did a lot of outreach with the community, a lot of really cool things. Um, So he's been with that organization for about 10 years, and he focuses on the organization's efforts in five areas. He has called the circle of success, and those are fan experience, performance, community, culture, and financial efficiency. And each of these areas has seen tremendous growth during his tenure. Sounds good. So, why don't we listen to the interview with Derek? So, I'm here with Derek Hall, CEO and President of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and you just did a great talk about really empowering your people and empowering your culture to be more fan-friendly, which I think is a great ambition. Um, One of the things that you said very early on was that all leaders have to fail. So, I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit more about that and what you are... Seeing in your own journey that makes you really believe
2: that? Sure. Yeah, I think it's very important. I think, you know, I encourage our employees to take chances all the time and and it's difficult for them to get out of that comfort zone but to really push the envelope and be uh, as pioneering and engineering as possible, innovative, and take those chances Make mistakes, mm-hmm. but learn from them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the key. I mean, so many of us have made mistakes, but we have to learn from them, turn them into a, into a positive, and that's really what I'm getting at, is I, I think we all need to stumble. We all have to fail to really appreciate what it is we're trying to achieve. But along the way, I, I encourage people to try something new, um, take it to new heights, and if it doesn't work, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Just learn from it. Borrow ideas, but don't just steal them. Make them better. That's the other thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're part of a... You know, the Major League Baseball group is not something that is necessarily all under your control, right? You have other people that you have to answer to, and filling the seats is a major priority for most ball clubs. And today you mentioned that that doesn't always happen for you guys. So how can you – how do you prioritize focusing on some of the goals that you have, which are more about having happy employees and happy fans and happy players ultimately – when you have to meet those basic business needs.
2: Well, that's exactly it. That's our challenge because in our market, we're, it's hard to believe, of the 30 markets, we're actually the lowest per capita income of all 30. Uh, so we are, um, you, you look at what drives our market, it is home building and it is um, um, construction, home building, and really tourism. And so when the economy is struggling, as it has been lately, we're not doing as well. And the people that do have money in our market often leave during the hot summer months, which is our season. So they'll go off to San Diego, Coronado, uh, up to the mountains. And so we need to challenge ourselves to be as affordable as possible, to get fans to go there, realize that they're welcome to be there to go there. And then once they're there, that their experience is second to none. But it really starts with the employees and making sure that all of our employees do feel empowered um, but that they're, they're all working together with the same goal in mind. Let's control those things that we can control. Let's control the pricing. Let's control the experience. Let's control the aesthetics. Let's control the safety. Um, and, and we've done a very nice job with that where we're drawing over 2 million fans a year. When we win, we're drawing 3 million. But you, you have to know that in some of our markets like ours. It's a very fair-weathered market, and I get it, and I understand that, because they're very selective in how they're going to spend their, their dollars, and uh, they would rather invest in it, a team that's winning. And, and to some people, that's what the experience is about. For others, it's about being together in the family sport, because that's what baseball is, where you actually have time to talk mm-hmm. in between pitches and in between <laughs> in innings. Oh.
0: For sure, for sure. Well, I grew up going to Wrigley Field every year.
2: Uh-huh.
0: I'm wondering with – you You did mention uh, the in-stadium technology but it was based on fan devices. You said on tablets and things like that, you were providing bios of the players and information that they could use. So can you tell me a little bit about the development of that? And is that an app or is that something else? And how are you focusing on innovating that part of the experience?
2: Yeah, and again, it's it's about being pioneering because what we created with our... Um our d app became a Major League Baseball app, and now it's in the ballpark and every team is using it similarly. Um, but, yeah, we have to give fans uh, something different than what they, they can get at home. And I constantly challenge our IT department to come up with new, innovative ways for interaction for technology because that's what kids are all about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so much competition and the attention span is much smaller. And so for us to make sure that we have interactive kiosks throughout, that we have as much information and statistics as necessary and want it up on our, you know, HDTV video board, that we now have social media interaction during games. I mean, that's, that's the key where you can have fan votes be it through Twitter or fans that are tweeting what their experience is like. And um, you don't get that at home, but it really does appease all those fans that practice it each and every day. Mm -hmm.
0: And how do you use all that feedback? You mentioned that you have a a one-fan-at-a-time philosophy, which I love. But if you're getting that, if you have folks contacting you through social media, I'm sure you probably do surveys and things like that as well, especially with season ticket holders. How do you integrate all of that into your daily activities to run the business?
2: Feedback is so important. That's how we can improve. Um, So for us, it is a matter of surveys. It's a matter of town halls. It's a matter of focus groups. Um, And it's not only season ticket holders. It's also uh, the casual fan. It's the Latino fan that makes such a big and important impact in our market. So we are constantly surveying what do you like, what don't you like, what are you not aware of. Um, But I think the consumer has to drive our behavior, and and they've been able to do so through our, our constant communication with them and interaction with them.
0: And do you have anybody like a chief customer officer or a VP of customer experience, or is it really, is that really
2: you? I do. I have a vice president of fan experience. Okay. Um, yeah, in special projects, and he is uh, overseeing everything from our concessionaire, making sure that the quality of food, the time in line is up to par, to overseeing our team shops and all of our stores in, in the ballpark. Um, works closely with our. Um, Guest relations supervisors who oversee all of our game day staff. It, it, it all, it's all incorporated into one. It's all a big part of the fan experience. Mm-hmm.
0: And you also mentioned how you really do what's right sometimes without press, without necessarily making anybody do it, but. It's a big deal to set those expectations about off-field behavior. And if you look at professional sports in general, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially lately, there's a football player, and I can't recall his name, but he was in trouble for not talking to the press. Right. He kept getting in trouble for that. And I'm wondering if you have somebody that you set those expectations, but then they're not delivering on that part of the deal. How do you handle that? Is that enough of a deal breaker for you, or do you try to work with it within your organization? Because I'm sure that's a challenge.
2: It, it is a challenge, and we can't, we can't control everybody. But if there are signs or if we hear of an incident, we, we'll handle it head on. And I will in particular. I have a very good relationship with all of our players and coaches, and I will, I will deal with them one-on-one. Um, five or six years ago, we had a, a domestic violence issue, and I actually had a almost had a grievance filed from the union because as soon as I would heard that there was allegedly a domestic violence uh, situation, I had said that's not the type of player we want in a D-back uniform and, and asked our general manager to trade him right away and to, to release him if not. And the union players association pushed back and said, you can't do that. There's a collective bargaining agreement. And I said, I'm sorry, that's not who we are. So yeah, I think character comes into play. It's very important that we have uh, very strong, good, contributing, positive members of the community. They're a part of our our team. They certainly are off the field because our front office gets it nailed by in, mm-hmm. And you can tell right away if someone doesn't really embrace or understand or fit in the culture. But I, I'm telling you, out of 350 full-time employees, each and every one of them gets it and fits right in. Mm-hmm.
0: That's really cool. And what do you think is next for the fan experience? Because I think it is changing and it's not what it used to be. And now, Even my beloved Wrigley Field is going under some pretty major changes right now to try to meet up with the expectations of fans today. Where do you see that going, or do you see anything that you know, is the new frontier for fan experience.
2: I, I do. I think fans are looking for everything in one-stop shop and where it used to be just ballpark fair and you could have your hot dog and your peanuts and your popcorn and your soda or beer. Now it is, you know, we're bringing in local favorites. We're, you know, we brought in um, Lolo's Chicken and Waffles, which has become a huge hit. America's Taco Shop, which is a local, uh, uh, you know, bean, burrito, taco type offerings. Um, you know, Paradise Valley Burger Company that was featured in on the Food Network and on, on the Travel Channel with Diners Drive-In's. And dives and it's an all encompassing experience now so you have to push yourself again with technology you have to have enough options and destinations throughout your ballpark to satisfy everybody within your family or the group that you're with and um, you know I, I think it still comes down to overall presentation mm-hmm. and your presentation is your entertainment value because you're not going to win every game um, and it's your affordability and it's the desire to, to, to make fans want to come back mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. so with kind of professional sports in general, is there anything that you think the fans expect that maybe they're not getting today that they should expect in the future? Or where where do you think expectations are going for kind of the customers of this type of product?
2: I think fans expect a team to to win, number one. I mean, the expectations are very high and not every team is going to win. But secondly, I think I think fans expect teams to give back to their local communities. Mm-hmm. And they're very proud with the teams that do, like ours. And, you know, you hear it so often, these players make so much money, which isn't really fair. you know, Or these organizations make so much money. Uh, simple fact of the matter in our, our case is we have never had an owner that put a penny in his pocket. Never. So any money that we make goes back into the product on the field, into the community, or into the ballpark. And I think fans are expecting teams to give back to the community, and we all should. Mm-hmm. Well...
0: I've really enjoyed this, and I really enjoyed what you had to say, and I hope that other organizations really look to this type of model because it's really clear that you're extremely passionate about it and that you love your job. And so I hope other leaders can learn from that. So thank you very much. Thank
2: you. Yeah, and I do, but it really comes down to our employees. They, they make us who we are and, and we've got great fans because the employees know how to treat them and want to treat them. And the end goal is for us to have the best fan experience in sports. And, and we're certainly uh, close to, if not the best in, in that category.
1: Great. Thank you so thank much. You. Wow, that was a pretty cool interview, Jeannie. I liked it. Uh, He had a lot of interesting things to say, and I'm glad you were able to catch up with him at the CXPA event. So, Jeannie. Yes, Adam. Do you wear glasses?
0: Not since LASIK.
1: Really? I thought it was because you stopped reading fine print. (laughs) And that leads us to our Customer Hero, Customer Zero segment. We have a customer zero, and it is fine print. Ew, fine print. Now, I am all about real-world business and real-world customer experience, so I don't like the the pie-in-the-sky stuff. So fine print can be a necessity, but the way it is used is terrible sometimes. So first of all, let me ask you, when you're reinstalling your updates on your Mac, Mm -hmm. do you read the terms of service all the way through?
0: (laughs) I totally do. I print it out, and then I take it to bed and I read it (laughs) over a few nights. Um, No, not at all. And nobody does. And they know that.
1: Exactly. So, and that's the problem. They, you know, the terms of service, the fine print on anything Mm -hmm. on contracts, it's, you know, it's a legal necessity in a lot of cases, but in a lot of cases it's abused. In a lot of cases it's used to expand powers, Mm -hmm. to expand authority of what to do with what you do. Uh, Or
0: or just mislead
1: you as
0: a customer. I mean, honestly, let's be, uh, that's what it's for, Right. Right. Like sometimes it's about hiding the stuff they don't really want you to know
1: or use for. I actually wrote a blog post about this. You can find it on customers. It'll be in the show notes, but it's about bait and switch. So I went into Mm -hmm. a car dealership in my city, which I will remain nameless. Okay. And they said, we will give you, um, your, what was it? uh, We'll we'll give you MSRP for your Mm trade-in. Okay. I was like. How can they do that? You know, I mean, I was like, okay, there's a catch, right? It's just too good to be true. So I go in, I walk up to sales guy. All right, so what's with the MSRP thing? He's like, oh, first of all, it doesn't mean that at all. Because he had <laughs> obviously been getting his right. butt kicked by customers. So I went back, I looked at the ad, and that's why I wrote the blog post. Because I was just like, this is unbelievable. And in the ad, it says, MSRP minus normal wear and tear, da, 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 And that's what he said to me. I was like, so what you always do with a used car? right? <laughs> he right. was like, yes.
0: Well, and I've gotten another example like that where a couple years ago, I won't say the mobile company, but I was a a customer of a mobile company for several years. And they sent me this postcard that said, we want to reward you. And it literally had the headline, no strings attached.
1: (laughs) And it was all strings, right?
0: It was all strings. So they said, you can do this, you can do this, or you can do this. And I opted for the hotspot. You know, I said, oh, yeah, send me the hotspot. That's awesome. I looked all over that postcard. I really did. Because I thought, this is, this is too good, whatever. And then, you know, two years later in a contract that I didn't know I had agreed to, <laughs> <laughs> I switched carriers over it. Wow. And they lost me as a customer forever because I was so upset with how, because I called and I said, I do not understand. I'm looking at this postcard. And it was the type of fine print that it was like white printed on yellow or something that was so and it was a postcard so it wasn't printed very well you know uh and i think they had gotten same thing they had gotten lots of complaints because the person who called me or who i called said yeah we we've heard about this uh it is a reward because you didn't have to pay for the actual piece of equipment but this is what actually that meant so what a
1: crappy reward can nice. I say that yeah so your, your, your reward was two years of a uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly with it. well you know General Mills had the same thing and it was interesting because they really weren't even trying to be I mean it depends how you believe it but it really seems like they weren't trying to be they just updated their terms of service and somebody yeah. noticed there was an arbitration clause. Literally in the terms of service that some people read is like, well, you have to go to arbitration if you buy a box of cereal from us. <laughs> and they got lit up and they really, they did a full mea culpa, which, you know, mm-hmm. I shared that with you. They literally wrote back a whole letter to our consumers. We never meant this. This is what mm-hmm. it means. But even, even though it never meant that and we're sticking by that, we're still changing it back.
0: Right. Well, I thought their mea culpa was actually really well done. Seemed very authentic. They, well, and they wrote it to the customer, which I thought was, a good way to do it instead of being legalese and saying this is what it actually means and just sticking to the fine print they basically said here's the situation we're hearing you and we also we feel badly that this happened and they say we're sorry which doesn't always happen so I was really happy with how they addressed it but I think it goes to show we have been trained as customers to assume fine print is kind of evil (laughs)
1: Right. And it's not always that way. And, you you know, because you've read the book and Be Your Customer's Hero, I actually have a whole book on how frontline people can handle the fine print issue because they're the ones that get hit, just like that sales guy at the car dealership. And it's not always, you know, sometimes you have to have fine print because half a percent of the people are going to be affected in some way or take it some way. But you know what? Marketing real estate is valuable. You're not Mm -hmm. going to put every little exception in your main headline. Right. But there's a difference between that And the main gist of what you're saying Mm -hmm. being completely contradicted by Mm -hmm. the fine print.
0: And I think some are getting creative with like the TV ads that show the crazy, you know, driver driving through mountains and stuff. And they put the fine print that says like, please don't attempt this at home. And now they're getting kind of cheeky with it, which I appreciate because they'll say like, as we shouldn't have to state, (laughs) like, (laughs) you cannot drive through a mountain without a tunnel or something, you know, like (laughs) they're getting more upfront about it because I think we're all realizing like nobody's pulling a fast one, you know, at right, the end yes. of the day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is a metaphor. Do not drive like that.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: So thank you for listening to episode 28 of Crack the Customer Code. And thanks to our sponsor, CXPA. You can learn more about the CXPA at cxpa.org. I'm Adam Depork and my website is com. And I'm
0: Jeannie Walters, and you can find out more about me at 360connects.com. More episodes and the show notes are available at CrackTheCustomerCode.com.
1: Please subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, leave a review on iTunes so others can find our show. And please tell someone you know. We
0: love word of mouth. Until next time, take care of yourself.
1: And take care of your customers.